Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Resilient Science, the show where we spend 10 to 15 minutes each week trying to better understand the topic around hockey, rehab, and the science behind it. I'm Dr. Ben Sonic. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a goalie coach. I'm a strength coach. And as always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Hello, Ben. I'm Jamie Phillips, former professional goalie, current physical therapy student, master of science, certified strength coach. And we have to we have to pre-record our intros, I think. <laughs> Just so we don't have to keep repeating it. I think I do the same thing every time. I think I do a great job of it. So I think you do a good job. You have a good intro voice, but um, I mean, we were talking pre-show and I think in order to get what we want to say within their 10 to 15 minute timeframe, uh, I think we should just dive right into it. So Ben, what is on your mind? Okay, what is on my mind this week is this like understanding of like sequential events. So like hockey, every sport is a series of events that precede another event, right? And how we do something in our, our first event, what decision we make, especially as a goalie, influences the next event. So a really good example of that is like if you're a goalie is really aggressive uh, on a zone entry, um, you're inviting that player to pass the puck early, right? Because that player identifies that. And so I think that's something that is it's a really hard conversation to have, and I think it sometimes get lo- gets lost in translation about like how, just how influential your decision making as a goaltender informs the next series of plays. And like I think it's inevitable that this gets down to post-play almost always because that is the most common instance where the goalie makes the first move would you say that's like that's why that's probably the way the discussion goes because a goalie initiates their decision prior to the player initiating the decision like going into an rvh or an overlap that and that initiates the sequence of events yeah i i I agree that post-plays is where this discussion is and i think the post-play discussion is going to happen forever because i mean if you think about it just any sort of shot situation or rush rush situation, even in zone and it plays in front of you, it's pretty standard. Like it doesn't really matter if you butterfly half split or whatever. It's just, do you make the save the, the number that, and the save selection is pretty limited on that because more about whatever works, 
Whereas because there is an anticipatory element on the post plays, that is where more opinion comes in. So um, I'll let you explain it a little bit more for people. And I say like the overlap RVH debate, yeah. and then I'll, I'll offer my opinion after that. Cause I think the way you explain it statistically is, is good. Yeah. So the way I, the way I look at this is like anytime we make a read or we make a decision, we, in, we change the likelihood that a play is going to happen. Um, and so in a, in an instance is like the reason why the RVH, I guess like the VH became a thing first, right? The vertical horizontal, there might be some people listening who don't even know what RVH stands for. I had a few kids a few weeks ago who didn't know what it stood for. They're just like, yeah, it's an RVH. Go to the post RVH. What? And I was like, yeah, they didn't know that it's for reverse vertical horizontal. Now they were like 12 and 13. So like, I'm not going to really blame them. I guess to be fair, when we learned VHs, they were not born yet. <laughs> That's what I mean. I like, I think I did my, I did my first VH when most kids, when this is a good fact, people who are entering their major junior draft year in Canada. So a little bit earlier in the West, but in Ontario and Quebec and the Eastern provinces, everywhere else, um, they would they don't know what RVH is because the VH was like a mid two thousands thing. These kids are yeah. born in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Jamie, <laughs> we are we are getting very very old. But all right, back on topic. Back to the point. Yeah, yeah, back to the point. RVH reverse vertical yes. horizontal. Now you all learned something today. Um, the reason that became such a prominent play is because short side shots happened a lot people just came in and shot short side and rebounds would happen goals would happen and there was just a way to augment the probability that on this play that people were shooting a lot on that either one the shot wasn't going in period goal or two people just didn't take the shot anymore because they didn't see it Mm -hmm. and like when i look at a positive outcome for a goalie anytime a play happens there's a positive outcome is is for me is anytime the puck doesn't go in the net so that can be Hits the post, misses the net, goalie makes the save. Player doesn't shoot because they didn't see a place to shoot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this conversation goes, right? So if we overlap, we might reduce the likelihood that the player shoots because they just see a goalie on that angle, yeah. right? They're like, I, I'm not going to shoot. Um, there's nowhere for me to shoot. I'm just going to put this in the goalie's chest if I try it. Uh, whereas, again, maybe in an RVH, especially now with shooters getting smarter, they might look at that and they might go, oh, I have a place to shoot. That might actually increase their intention of shooting, right? So each decision we make as a goalie either changes, like, will the player shoot more? Is the player more likely to pass? Is the player more likely to hold the puck? And that's something I think we don't always talk about when we're getting into these tougher decision-making processes, right? And so for me, um, especially as plays drive towards the net, I'm, I've always been inclined to be an RVH person. I always think that when done properly, that reads a play really nicely. I think it sets you up well for the next series of most probable events, wrap around, walk out, pass to the same side. Mm-hmm. Which are so probably gonna, the three most, go ahead. I'm yeah, going yeah. to build on that too, because I don't want people to get lost in translation. The thing, the important thing that Ben said is when, when done correctly and when utilized at the correct time. So like, I watch for some reason I watch a lot of European hockey for like a lot of coaching clips I use and a lot of your in the European game guys just hang out in the RVH at times where you really sh- honestly objectively shouldn't be in the RVH cuz remember like every decision you make they're like like Ben said there's a series of outputs that are going to happen so if you enter an RVH too early the output is 
you limit your ability to like move. You also expose different areas, the net, mainly just the far side, when the goal of an RVH is to eliminate the short side. So you'd want to get use the RVH at a time when the far side of the net no longer is possible and their only option is the short side. So I'm a big RVH fan, again, when used properly. So like looking at going to what you're saying and a lot of the decision, this is like when like, so I'm going to use the overlap as an example. A player is coming down the wing, a goalie enters the overlap. Essentially what they're doing is they are playing the shot, which is most of the time what you should do. Good. Probably a good so, idea. <laughs> so it's probably a good idea. Now you've now not overcommitted, but you've committed mainly to the shot. So now what, what are the possible outputs? Well, the player can shoot, you make your save. The player shoots, you create a rebound, and you have to adjust. The player can pass if there is a back there's a pass option. So you need to be aware of that. And then the player can fake shot, wrap wrap around. There's, there's more options, but let's just go with that. So where for me, what I see, and this is why people get confused and why the the panda position was invented was because people are trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to get themselves in a position to be able to make the save on the shot and get the wrap around and make the pass. But in reality, there's a give and take. So if you're unsquare, like you would be in the panda position, you are then offering up another series of different outputs that might come against you, like the player bouncing in off your back or you getting stuck on the post or like the, the Cam Talbot goal that I posted on my Instagram the other day. There's just like just basically just getting in such a horrible position that you can't move from it. So for me, the ability to transition from whatever your decision is, so from an overlap to transition into an RVH, to a VH, to slide, to hold your feet, to be able to butterfly, to be able to have the ability to adjust for whatever happens is the most important skill here. And that is the least trained skill of them all. Yeah. I mean, so I that's think the, the problem, in my opinion. I think I think you're right, too. And I think this is, we're just kind of seeing the consequences of our own action as coaches. And I guess to some degrees, like as players by us buying into this too, when we were, when we were playing. Um, but like, we just got in the habit of that post work being easy like there was that period in time where just like you just didn't get scored on an rbh there's like a five-year window where like you went to an rbh and players brains malfunctioned right yeah. they're like oh <laughs> it was just yeah. free saves because so we have yeah and so we have this kind of weird generational thing now um where we're still kind of relying on that and we we have bad feet around our posts is like what's happening right it's mm-hmm. like we have a, a bunch of people who are bad around their posts like myself included as a player um and now we're like, oh, okay, so we, we can't really skate out of this. So we need to do something that helps us get out of it with our current skill set instead of just trying to get better at reading the play and get better at decision-making and understanding, which is yeah, it's, ob- objectively it's, really hard. Yeah, it is hard. And that's actually what we talked. I talked about this morning uh, when I was on the other podcast where um, we were talking about just like skill development and um, like why just doing drills where you're like only you're telling the goalie you're shooting glove side or all those things doesn't matter especially when once you get to a higher level with kids it's important because you're trying to build the skill and like just basically just just be able to stand up and like hold your glove in the right spot but when you get to a higher level it doesn't work because they've already mastered those basic skills and so now the game is just a game of decisions so you need to train someone's ability to essentially read the play and read the play is just make decisions and so that's why like 
when you see like NHL, and this is what we've talked about before, that being a goalie coach in NHL is the technically this is the easiest job in the world. Not that you're not qualified, it's just easy because you're getting some of the guys that the, you're getting the best players in the world. And so they've already mastered everything. So what is your job? Your job is to make sure that they feel confident, they feel good so that they can perform their best. That's why you see NHL goalie coaches come out, set, T-push, shot, stomach. Because you're not not training Vasilevsky or Carter Hart or any of these guys. You don't have to train them in anything. You can tweak like small things, but there's no real development that needs to occur because they've already developed as well as they can. When you can't train your kids like that, just like you can't always have these RVH situations, black and white, you come in, you shoot a short side because that's not always how it works. So that's why goalies lack that ability to be able to play around the post because they just never trained because you're not doing these options as you would. And so that's like, that's the biggest thing. One of my, why one of my goalies, Blake Pialas has so much success as a small goalie and not a fantastic skater, a good skater, but not fantastic in any means because we train decisions and his ability to dis- read the play and make those decisions is top notch. Yeah. And not really because anything I've done, we just, I've just exposed them to a lot of different situations and I continue to expose them and he continues to grow and develop. And it comes to the game and he's like, man, like the game is slow. I'm like, yeah, I want it to be for you, man. Yeah. Again, even, even just to boost both you and you and Blake watching some of the clips that you post of kind of that specific work, that decision-making in practice, you can just see again that he, he excels in that yeah. process, right? And he, and again, it's it's different, right? Like it's not just that he's good at the skills that you're you're demonstrating there, but it's like to wrap it back to our conversation. Our starting point here is like he understands the next steps following every yeah. decision he makes, right? And that is a really really hard thing to be good at, right? Like, oh, why would I overlap here? Why would I RVH here? Why would I be this pass on my feet? Why would I slide here, mm-hmm. right? And that's like, and that's why he's good at. It. So like he'll he'll give up. A, he'll do an overlap drill. And he'll give up a goal. And I'll say, what would you have liked to have done there? And he'll say, I, I should have overlapped here because on this ball. And he'll give me a full explanation. And I go, good. That's how you learn. You learn from your mistakes and you self-correct. And he's made to adjust it. When you get law, I get a lot, I work with a lot of kids. And I ask them why they do things. And they do not know. They do not know how to fix it. They do not know how to. And then someone might be listening and be like, Jamie, well, that's your job. You're the goalie coach. But I am a goalie coach. I am not a goalie instructor. I can run drills and just have goalies do things and they make a mistake. I can fix it by just, Hey, I'm just going to shoot a hundred pucks of your glove. Cause your glove, you're going to be a glove side. No, my job is to coach the kids so that they understand and they learn so that they can actually get better. And there's a big difference with that. Just like on post plays, if post plays are not black and white, it's situationally dependent. And that is a very important thing. And that like coming at all full circle in our conversation, that is where the issue is arising because people are making decisions without respecting the different outcomes and expecting to be able that their positioning is going to cover all of those possible outcomes. And that is not the case. And that's, it sucks because it's hurting goalies development. And then you get us who watch things on the internet and get upset because (laughs) kids are doing it right, but they're also not being taught how to, how to make those reads. And that's like, I've been talking to this for an hour beforehand today, and it's basically a similar thing. So, like, just going crazy. It's a goaltending is not a flow chart, um, right? That's like the way I always look at it. 
like it's things are in a flow chart. It's not like player here do X. I wish it was. Yeah. Right. But that that's probably my best way of again, like I said, we both try to tie this back. Mm-hmm. But like it's not a flow chart because every time you change your decision, six different branches now open up. Right. So it's not just one or two. It's like, okay, you take an extra step out now. Well, this branch is a little more likely than this branch than that branch. Right. Like that whole read changes. Like Again, it's like the same thing, like the depth, again, give Derek a shout out. Bougie Golton had a good post about depth control on entries. And we were mm-hmm. funny, funny enough, I was doing that this week coaching. And it was like, you know, if your if your depth on entry looks the same for a three on two versus a two on one versus a three on one, like if your depth looks the exact same on those, that's fine. But you mm-hmm. can understand that that might be different depending on what you're trying to read and invite. What does the, like what does your own team look like in that situation, right? Like, what can you commit more to that shot and try to invite that pass because you have a back checking support that you think is going to get there? There's just you know it's not. You have to think. There's a lot of yeah. thinking. We like a lot of thinking, and th- we'll talk about. I don't. We'll talk about it on ours because we might as well. Do, we'll do it another time. But basically, there's like again. Learn difference between coaching and instructing and stuff like that. But in order to, because we're running low on time, in order to off like for you who's watching or listening, we appreciate it. Always like and subscribe, of course. But to give you some value and things that you could take away, whether you're a coach, a parent, or a goalie. So let's take a situation. And the way that I would like to do it, like explain it, is so you're coming into an overlap. Ask yourself when you're practicing, okay, what are my options? Okay, what have I eliminated? What can happen? And if you look at that and you say, okay, well, they can wrap it around. Do you have the ability to adjust and get back to that wrap around? If your answer is no, or I'm not sure, then train that and build that skill and build the ability to adjust on those, whatever option happens and not, we're not guaranteeing you make saves because you cannot guarantee you're not going to make every save, but you're giving yourself the best way to build a skill and be able to adjust for the different outcomes that occur. And that's like really important. And just, so just blindly doing things and then hoping for the best, isn't a great way. It's, I mean, it's a great way to not get better. (laughs) And if that's your goal, then, then sure. But if you want to be the best you can be like train all the different options and don't be so black and white about it and ask yourself, what can I, can I improve this in any way? And maybe you can't, maybe you genuinely can't, maybe you can do it the best that you're already good at it. Okay. Then you don't, Then, then, then change it in a certain way. Then add in some more deception. How can you build it? And so, like that's that's just my takeaway: is ask yourself, can I, can I change this, and can I improve upon this? And then tra- practice that skill itself. Yeah, I agree. Expose yourself to some opportunities where you have to think about if I do this instead, what does that invite? And think through that process, especially in practice when you're getting eight million flow drills. Take advantage no. of when. <laughs> take advantage of some some thinking through your situations. And on that note, until next time. Sounds good. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.